0: And
1: welcome back, folks, and this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and I am Nate Johnstone. I am here with Paul Anderson.
0: Good day, folks. Good day. <laughs>
1: and we have, uh, despite the, the levity here, uh, we've been in a difficult series mm-hmm. right now talking about how to overcome a victim mentality. Uh, this is a tough one. I think that it, it is something... I think actually everybody goes through to one degree or another. Absolutely. And I think that it is absolutely pandemic in our culture today. Oh, my. Everywhere. And I think that actually, I think that our culture and media and in some cases, um, even the mental health field, actually propagate this. Mm -hmm. Um, And they fuel it even sometimes. Oh, I know. That's the fact. And it's... um, It's disconcerting,
0: Mm -hmm, to say the least,
1: because we are not becoming a mentally healthier culture. Mm -hmm. I I would argue we're becoming mentally very unhealthy, uh, even more so. And I take mental health very seriously. I don't know if I've mentioned it here, but I've gone through depression a couple times in my life. I had to be on medication for almost two years um, before I was able to walk out of that with the help of the Lord. And I know... My grandmother suffered from mental illness all her life. She was bipolar, and I have other people who I know well and who are in my family who suffer from mental illness as well. And so this it's a it's a personal issue to me, and something that's very important and we take very seriously. Um, but there are right ways to do everything, and there are wrong ways to do everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And anything
1: any any answer that is devoid of God is probably not the best way. <laughs> yes, and so trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just do a good job um that might sound nice you know positive thinking i suppose is better than negative thinking Hmm. um but without the power of the holy spirit it's just not gonna come to a lot of fruit in your life and Mm -hmm. i've seen it time and time again but it is incredible what god can do in a weak person even the weakest in the weakest place in your life weakest circumstance God can do incredible things and pull you through, and you shared some testimonies um, last week about people you knew who've done that in the Bible and in our lives, and we'll probably uh, bring up a few more before we're done. I'm not sure how many weeks we'll go with this topic. It's it's such a big one that I, do, I want to do it justice, and I don't want to breeze through this. Um, so, Paul, give us a real quick, what what are some of the points that you uh, that we've talked about so far?
0: We first started with John 5... Okay with this man at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus asked him this incredible question, do you want to be healed? And we're expecting him to say, well, praise the Lord, of course I do. Mm -hmm. And he gives a reason why it's probably not going to happen. And I see that as an an outlook, as a mentality. And it's confirmed later on in the passage because Jesus then goes back to him and says, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. So, he was afflicted with some kind of paralysis in his thinking. As you talked about, this is an important passage to talk about the renewal of the mind. We Mm -hmm. really need our minds renewed. So, I have uh, talked about how victims tend to live in the past. Mm -hmm. The ten spies, they wanted to go back. They didn't want to go forward. Two wanted to go forward. And the whole congregation went with the ten spies. Mm -hmm. And
1: when we say tend to live in the past, we're not necessarily saying want to. It may be haunted by the
0: past. Mm -hmm. It
1: may be continually, regularly traumatized by what happened in the past. So, we're not saying you necessarily love what happened back then it's that you can't escape it, it and it, they it, it ran is, they were occupying
0: yes they they tend to romanticize it so it looks better than it really is mm-hmm. they started talking about egypt as if it was a neat place i mean they loved <laughs> the food there really seriously really is that what you like you were slaves they were beat up they were killed And now they're romanticized. So victims, I said that victims live in the past. Victims live with if-onlys. If only this hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. Rather than dreaming, saying what if, they live with if-only. And then we talked about the learned helplessness. That that's the kind of thinking that is adopted by a victim who embraces it as his or her uh, outlook, his identity. Mm -hmm. And they... They just can't move forward. They right. realize they're they can't make it. I'm just going to share, and them. we don't
1: we don't blame somebody for being no. in that position. No, that's that's what happened. That's like a natural response to mm-hmm. being, you know, traumatized or um, going through deep grief and those sorts of issues that we face in life. And so this isn't judgment, right? We're not saying, oh, you're so terrible because you you know cling to the past and all these different things. Um, But we are trying to look for the answers of, okay, but how do we get out? Yeah. How do we get out of that vicious cycle?
0: So there are a few more things that I have observed about myself when I'm taking a victim role and others. That victims actually resist hope. Mm -hmm. I have prayed and prophesied over people that I know to have taken a victim mentality. And prayer just bounces off them. Encouraging words bounce off them because they see themselves as an exception rather than as part of those who are going to move forward. Hope somehow poses a threat to Mm. them. It's calling them to some responsibility that they're not ready to move into. Misery authenticates their situation, their mindset, and so they choose not to embrace hope. Another outlook is that victims feel trapped. Those mm-hmm. that are in a bad marriage, they feel trapped by that marriage. Those that are in, a, in the workplace and have a terrible boss and have been there for 10 years, they just feel trapped. They can't do anything about it. So they just complain about this terrible boss. And there's nothing that can change. And what they want is they want you to identify with them and feel for them, hey, it's, that's no fun have a miserable boss. But Peter did speak to it, and he told us an outlook that we could adopt in that situation. But because victims feel trapped, there's nothing that they feel like they can do. It's a no-win situation. Mm -hmm. And so what victims tend to do is that they adopt a sense of entitlement. I deserve something better. Rather than being grateful for what they do have, they embrace a, uh, a position of entitlement that I deserve more. Uh, the elder brother would be a clear example of that. The younger brother acknowledged he blew it, and he uh, was surprised that his father has been gracious. The elder brother was just the opposite. He was surprised that he didn't get more. He expected it all to be coming his way without doing anything for it. So, that is the liability of a victim outlook is that I expect uh, to be treated a certain way but then sure enough n- nobody's helping me no one understands yep. me.
1: Yeah, and it's easy to find situations that prove those things to us. Yeah. Uh, I am stuck and this proves it and I, I shouldn't have hope and this proves it. Mm-hmm. And And then... All the evidence then can mount up in our circumstances, what we see with our natural eyes in our circumstances. But we tend to resist the evidence that points towards the fact that there is something else and there is hope. And you're right. I do think um, the victim mentality resists hope. It sort of rebuffs it. And that's really difficult. Um, I see this sometimes in the writings of David in the Psalms when... It looks like he's hes probably battling depression. Um, he talks about you know the spirit of heaviness, which I, I, I think refers to depression. And I think he battled that on and off for most of his life. And there are times when you're reading the Psalms in particular where David seems quite hopeless. And it seems like anything hopeful would sort of bounce off him. But if you read those Psalms, usually right at the end, he will make an abrupt turn. And say something like, and yet, bless the Lord, O my soul, Mm -hmm. and all that is within me. He will choose to stand. And in the face of his circumstances, and in the face of all evidence to the contrary, David says, and yet, my God is going to get me through Mm -hmm. this. I don't know how. I don't see the way. But he will make a way where there is no way yes he makes that choice and and that's what i think we need to do in those situations is make a choice to say no i will hope in my god mm-hmm. and i think that's like a that's a barrier if if you can't get past that one nothing no further progress can be made That's right. There comes a point at which you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, is the old phrase. And if you can't allow yourself to hope in God, to even hope, maybe just hope in the possibility of hope, Mm -hmm. (laughs) hope that hope could exist, even if all the evidence points to the contrary to say, you know what, but God does do miracles. He's pretty amazing. Maybe if I believe God will raise me from the dead one day after I'm gone, I should believe God can heal my marriage. Because believing God's going to raise my dead corpse back to life and I'll live forever, that's a big faith move, right? Yeah. That's, a lot of, that's a lot to believe in. Uh, so you're believing in a pretty powerful, miraculous God if you're believing God's going to do that and that you're going to live forever in heaven with him. And so if that God is on your side, why can't he heal your marriage? What if... He is very willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like your uh, what if versus if only. I think that's a big mental shift. That's a that's a renewing of the mind issue that we need to allow the Spirit to bring to us. I love what if questions. Yes. I think what if questions are some of the most freeing things that we can ask. I think we should do more of it in the church. Um, but the, the hope thing, I've seen that so many times when People start on this path towards getting out of this pit. But they they just won't. They won't hear the hope. They just refuse to hear it. Mm-hmm. Nope, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. I'm never going to get better. I'm stuck. I'm never going to get better. Because that's what they see all around them. That's what, that's what the world is telling them. It's what maybe their therapist is telling them. I don't know. Um, but God has a better way.
0: Absolutely.
1: So we need to make that Caleb and Joshua choice. <laughs>
0: And I am uh, thankful for people in my life and people that you know that have made that choice in the midst of harsh difficulties. I shared about mm-hmm. it a, a couple sessions ago. A young lady who made that choice. I started to talk about Josh. I think I forgot to give the punchline of that. Josh McDowell, but he said to the radio announcer. Who said, Well then you had the wrong father. He said, No, I wouldn't have been who I became without the father I had. And he was able to forgive his father for what he didn't give him. And God used that. It was like compost mm-hmm. for for the the beautiful things that grew up in his life. Right in the uh, with the dad who wasn't the perfect Mm -hmm. father by any means
1: and and we're not saying by that by the way that god did that on purpose in order to bring something good in that person's life we're saying that despite a horrible thing that should not have taken place that's right that god was not for in any way despite what happened god can work it for good in your life Mm -hmm. for those whom he loves and are called according to his purpose yeah and so that and that's a huge huge um huge difference because sometimes People, understandably, in my opinion, when when they go through trauma or abuse, they, they get very mad at God. And, you know, God, why did you do this to me? You know, why did you let this happen? Et cetera, et cetera. That's very, very common. And I think that's something that people need to work out. Mm-hmm. And I, I always encourage people, which, again, going back to King David, David does that all the time. God, what's your deal? You were supposed to protect me from my enemies. I'm surrounded. Come on, man. Like... You promised. What's your deal? Um, and so I, I, I encourage people, hey, yell at God. He's big. He can take it, for real. He can take it. Go ahead and put that anger on him, if that's what you need to do right now. And sometimes religious people won't even admit that they are angry with God. I'm not angry with God. I'm just angry at the circumstances. But deep down, they're angry at God because they're let, they, they were let down. Their expectations weren't met of a miracle or whatever it was that they wanted God to bring. So they get very, very angry at God. And I encourage people, Hey, talk to him about that. Mm-hmm. Tell him about that. Get that out of you. Don't keep that poison inside. That will turn cancerous every time I guarantee you. And I don't just mean figuratively <laughs> medical professionals nowadays, uh, agree that one of the, if not the leading cause of cancer is anxiety that has mm-hmm. been internalized. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is; it kills you. And that's obviously the devil's plan, to steal, kill, and destroy. So <laughs> vent those things to the Lord. He can, he can take it. Um, y- you brought up another example that made me think of the fact that we can pass on our victim mentality to our kids.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I think that as a culture, we're all doing that right now. I think we're passing on this culture of victimization and entitlement onto our kids, who are passing it on to their kids, and it's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of racial discrimination and prejudice as being one of the biggest ones in this in this area, and I'm not going to name the country that I'm going to talk about. It's not ours, but because uh, I just I don't want to bring shame to anyone. But th- there's another country that I've been to a few times where um, this this group of people was. Yeah as a whole, thoroughly abused and put down by uh, government. And I mean, really oppressed, I mean, horrible, horrible stuff, okay. For decades, actually. So it, it, it left an imprint on an entire generation, an entire culture. And so then even now, after that has ended, the people who've grown up afterwards have grown up with parents who were victims. And they've passed that victim mentality on to their kids. And so now the kids, who are now young adults themselves, have that exact same victim mentality, or even worse, even though they didn't go through it, because they were so wronged. Mm -hmm. And that's going to get passed on to the next generation. It already is, I'm sure, in the kids. And so this stuff propagates. It's not just about healing for you. It's about your kids and about other people that you work with. We've all worked with someone who is a dark cloud right <laughs> or a debbie downer um who just they're just always bringing stuff down and and it's it's toxic it gets very toxic and i see this on the societal level in some other countries that i've been to and obviously it's happening in our country as well and that's not to say that again that's not to say that the horrible things didn't take place they did and it's not to say that those things were not horrible they were absolutely atrocities atrocities That happened. Yes. It did. We can't change the past. If only doesn't help. What's gonna happen in the future? Can we learn to let that become a testimony as opposed to an epitaph? Mm -hmm. Because I'm concerned that even us in America as a culture we're we're in danger of having an epitaph of how we were all such terrible victims when instead we could have a testimony on, which is what America's testimony used to be, that we were all victims in whatever country we came from.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: we came here to live in freedom and make a better way. And I think that was a great testimony back in the day.
0: I heard a good testimony last week from a woman who's an American Indian. Mm-hmm. And those were atrocities. mm yeah. Terrible atrocities. Among the worst in yes. our country. Yes. Yeah. And and we live with the shame and the guilt of that. And she was saying, now how do we move forward? The way and I don't I don't understand the complexities of the situation, mm-hmm. but she was saying it doesn't work to give government handouts to overcome the guilt And to keep us where we are, because she said, where are we? We haven't changed in decades. We're still in the same situation. We need self-respect, and we need to do it ourselves, and to move forward. Yes, we need help, but we don't need handouts. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me to see what another outlook was. uh, When we talked about going to Uganda, Mm -hmm. that we were encouraged... Not to go with money, but to go and come alongside of the people and help them to build what they can build rather than to throw money at the problem and uh, to feel like we've done what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That builds an entire entitlement outlook rather than building a self respect and a desire to move forward. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and parts of Africa are actually a really good example of this, of what entitlement ends up bringing and what a, a wel- welfare culture can end up bringing, too. And this isn't a political comment, but um, so northern Uganda was taken over by warlords, horrible people, had the kids kill their parents and then they were child soldiers. And uh, I mean, it just you it, it is literally hard to fathom how mm-hmm. horrible mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it right now because there might be kids listening and. Um, It would be grossly inappropriate to even broach how horrible it was. Let's put it that way. And in the aftermath of that then came refugee camps. And so many people grew up in these refugee camps, or that's where they went after the wars. Um, And so they spent a decade, 15 years in these camps. And they got up every day, and they stood in line for food, and they stood in line for clothes, and they stood in line for everything. They weren't taught how to do things. They weren't taught how to make a living. They weren't taught how to um, find food for themselves or do anything for themselves. They just lived in a ultimate welfare kind of place. So, of course, nothing, none of that was their fault. None of that was their fault. They were victims, 100%. And so they gained a fully entitlement mentality. Mm-hmm. Of course they did. That's not their fault. We're not judging them for that. We're not saying that that is, that is so horrible, they are bad people. No, 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 no. How else would they have learned other than how they were taught? And then the refugee camps closed it down, and they said, okay, everybody go back to their homes. What? I don't even know where my home is. I don't know who I am. I don't know who my parents are. Or they do go back to their village, and it was burned a decade ago. Or the village is still there, but other people live there now. Mm-hmm. And they're not too keen on me moving back in because this is their house now. I mean, like the situation then afterwards was horrible, and so you've got a whole culture of people who is entitled to no fault of their own, but now doesn't know how to move forward and doesn't know what to do, and so this—it's a whole victim culture.
0: Well, I think in many we're, places we're in America in a victim culture.
1: I agree. I agree. An
0: entitlement culture.
1: Yep. And and it's we're just spinning our wheels at best. Mm-hmm. In, at, mm-hmm. in fact, I think we're probably going backwards a lot. Um, But it's difficult to break out of that um, entitlement mentality. Can you give me like one or two quick ideas about how we can try to break out of it? Or should we save that for next time?
0: Let's, Let's move into that as our next assignment.
1: Okay, so tune in next week and we'll talk about how to break out of some of this stuff.
0: That is it for this episode of Things
1: Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.